This is Supernatural Selection on DeviantBehaviorRadio.com, hosted by Kevin the Bastard. Welcome back to Supernatural Selection. I'm your host, Kevin the Bastard. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike the Skeptic. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Where, where, where am I? Why am I tied to this chair? Why is everything so dark? Do I have some kind of blindfold on? Um, it wasn't me. All I know is I was sitting at my computer, and all of a sudden now you're talking to me like we're doing a podcast. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> so you're saying that we haven't actually been doing a podcast this entire time. No, it's I'm just... saying we do one. It's just we weren't supposed to do one tonight. Then all of a sudden I like got really sleepy, and now I'm tied to a chair with a blindfold on. Uh, No comment. You bastard. I am a bastard. So, Can you at least take the blindfold off? Uh, Yes, yes I can. That's better. All right. Wait, is this a hollowed out mountain? This is, this is the secret underground base of TGMY Studios. Okay. So, today we're going to be talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, which I think I say that every single episode, but we're going to be talking about UFOs. Oh, that's what that is. I thought that was just a pile of garbage, but you've built your own UFO. <laughs> so in a hollowed-out mountain. Yes. Is this supposed to be S two? Uh, yes. Damn it's, it. Yeah, it's supposed to be, but it's actually, uh, it's actually S five. It's one louder. That's like three louder. Oh wait, it's S four. Area S four. That's too louder. Yes. Well, I mean, like, S4 is the action. You know what? We're getting sidetracked here. <laughs> so, Mike, you know, I always ask my co-host, what do you know about the subject matter? And it's UFOs. You, you know the general idea of UFOs, right? Yeah, that they're all swamp gas. Uh, yes. Venus reflecting off swamp gas. And reflected pelicans. And pelicans? Really? Oh, you never heard that one? Probably. <clears throat> I mean, I, I... Oh, that was weird. I tune out a lot of the things you say. Oh, that's fair. All right. So, UFOs are a very big topic to hand... To tackle, you know? Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of individual cases that are really fascinating, and... We are going to eventually talk about some of those, and we're actually going to be talking about a tangentially related thing in the next episode with the Men in Black. But I thought, hey, let's just tackle the entire subject of UFOs right off the bat and uh, just kind of get it out there, you know? Yeah. Kind of cover the, the base before we build the house. You mean the foundation? Yeah, that thing. The foundation. Okay. Okay, so... Um, what do you know about the history of ufology, as it's called? Um, it was invented by uh, Robert Stack. <laughs> Wait, no, not Robert Stack. Who was that that did the... Uh, 
I'm trying to remember the oldest UFO type show, or you know, not UFO, but unsolved mysteries type. I guess that is Robert Sack, isn't it? In search of. Did 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 unsolved mysteries? That was just all crime, wasn't it? No, no, they did UFOs. They did, okay, yeah, that's that's the oldest one I can think of. Then, you know, <laughs> before there was before everyone had cable television, that was crazy. <laughs> when cable television was just basically movies and documentaries. Yeah. You got your crazy bullshit from late night network television. This is true. And syndicated television. That's really true. And that is like where I learned a lot about UFOs in so, general. So Robert Stack invented UFOs for television. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I kind of want to tell you you're right, but you're not. Um, all right. So the earliest known sightings of... Uh, what would eventually be called UFOs uh, in the modern era. Now, we're not going to talk about ancient aliens or anything here. We're not going to go back and talk about, like, what looked like UFOs in biblical paintings, which that's a whole other topic that I'm hesitant to get into. Yeah. yeah or in the, uh, the like, Aztec and oh, India. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like the little gold airplanes. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to get into that. Uh, the modern UFO phenomenon. phenomenon. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. So, it all started really uh, in the 1800s with these bizarre sightings of phantom dirigibles starting in California and slowly making their way east toward uh, Chicago. And, uh, Every now and again, the people would uh, people would see these things and be like, you know, kind of freaked out because it's a phantom airship up there. And occasionally, uh, people would say they met the inhabitants of the ship. And sometimes it would they claim, oh, it's this uh, crazy ass inventor who's uh, taking it to Chicago for the World's Fair, or the Chinese. And they were taking it to the World's Fair, too? I, they never said. They'd say it was, like, Chinese people. And they'd, like, land when they needed water or something ridiculous like that. Okay. Okay. So, this lasted for a while in the late 1800s. Okay. So, these reports were turning up in newspapers. I realize that journalism in the 1800s is usually not to be trusted. But there are other sources for these things besides newspapers. So, you know, people were seeing something. Yeah. All right. Now, it's just, you know, airships. That's all it was. It wasn't like, you know, they're from Mars or Venus. It was just rich white people or the Chinese, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, make of that what you will. The actual modern UFO phenomenon started on June 24th, 1947, with pilot Kenneth Arnold. Have you heard of this guy? Have we talked about him before, Mike, personally? No. No? All right, so June 24th, 1947, Kenneth Arnold claims he saw nine reflective, unidentified discs passing Mount Rainier 
in Washington. He estimated they were moving at a speed of roughly 1,200 miles an hour. And this was the very first post-World War II sighting. Which, I guess we need to bring up the fact that during World War II, there were the Foo Fighters. And no, I'm not talking about Dave Grohl. Okay. Okay, so the Foo Fighters. Are you familiar with those? It was basically glowing orbs that would, like, follow fighter jets around. No, but, I mean, I know the... uh the band name comes from you yeah. know, a UFO term. That's yeah. about it. Well, you know, the uh, uh, Allied pilots would call them Foo Fighters because it's like, uh, it's probably the Japanese, something the Japanese are working on. And uh, the Germans were like, I guess they called them whatever, the, whatever German is for the fuck is that? And the Japanese were probably, I think the Japanese actually referred to them as Yokai, which is, you know, spirits. Anyway, after World War II, there was not a lot going on about this, as far as I know. You want to get into, like, conspiracy stuff, then yes, the Nazis were trying to build discs because the Greys came to them. We talked about this. Your brain melted. Remember that? Yeah. Okay, so... I I punched my microphone. It was looking at me funny. (laughs) An angel just got its wings, apparently. So... Anyway, Arnold sees these nine disc-shaped craft flying past uh, Mount Rainier. Mm-hmm. And he said they, were, they weren't like moving smoothly. They were flying like... Ever skipped a flat rock across the surface of a lake or a pond or something? Yeah, well, I've seen it. I'm not very good at it. Yeah, so. me neither. I remember your dad did it. They were moving like that. Okay. And he said the general shape was like a, a a saucer, but with a cut out of the back. So it was kind of like a, almost like a crescent moon shape, except, you know, thicker. It was a smaller cut taken out. Mm. And this was the very first modern... UFO sighting. There were no other craft in the area, of course. The skies were completely clear. There was a mild wind. And, I mean, this completely freaked him out. Because he'd never seen anything like it. There were no visible wings. There was no uh, source of propulsion, you know, no engines. It was just discs skipping through the air. Nine of them. Now, some of the explanations I have heard for this, my absolute favorite being reflective pelicans. Well, you know, you can't discount. I mean, I can't. some kind of bird, but... Yeah, I mean, I can't prove it's not uh, pelicans, but we still have the whole no wings thing. Oh, yeah. I mean... Now, I am looking through, trying to see how long this sighting actually lasted. Uh, I am not seeing how long it lasted. Wait. Nope. Not seeing a thing. (laughs) Anyway. So he landed, and his report just launched the saucer craze. Everybody starts seeing them. 
everywhere after that, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, not long after this, Roswell happened. Mm-hmm. Which, if you don't know where Roswell is, I don't know why you're listening to the show, but the point is, Roswell was, uh, something crashed at Roswell, and they say it was, you know, the first news report that comes out of Roswell says, oh, we've recovered a flying disc, and uh, is being taken to an RAF airfield. And then another one comes out and says, whoops, sorry, air balloon. So, that was taken to a Royal Air Force. Did I say RAF? Yes. Sorry, Army yeah. Air Force Base is yeah. what I meant to say. So, anyway, that is the next big UFO incident. Now, I think two years afterwards, 1949, 1950, somewhere in there, huge uh, UFO flap happens. And a flap is what they call uh, recurring sightings in a particular area. Mm -hmm. And this particular area was for the next several months a hotbed and it was Washington DC and security was friggin insane they didn't know what the hell was going on so this kind of becomes a big deal that you know they're seeing these things around Washington they're seeing both you know metallic craft they're seeing lights in the sky at night it's crazy and suddenly the government and the Air Force are like, we got to look into this. Not specifically because it could be aliens from outer space, but if we're going nuts over this, this will be a perfect time for the Russians to launch missiles at us because we're panicking over lights. Yeah. And that is what led to the founding of the Air Force's first UFO investigation, Project Blue Book. Never heard of it. <laughs> there is a TV show, apparently, called Project Blue Book that I have not had a chance to watch yet, but I've heard great things about it. Now, if you write down uh, ladies' phone numbers in your little black book, what do you write down in your little blue book? Uh, alien phone numbers? Alien phone numbers and the number of times they have stuck their digits Probes. up your poo-poo hole. How many times you've been probulated? Exactly. And the quality of the probulation you Ooh. rated on a scale. You know, that way you know who to go back to. Yeah, yeah. You want to make sure you're going to the best. Glunglock might not be the guy to go to, but he's Plin a little too forceful. Plinthar is a gentle and caring lover. Prober. Pro. I don't know, man. We don't know if they feel love, but I, we know, you know they probe. I wonder about that. So. All right, we've gotten up to the founding of Project Blue Book. Mike, give me questions, thoughts, opinions. Um, give me the skeptic point of view here. So what? So what you're? So I'm hearing so far is that these unidentified flying objects mm -hmm. change with the times. The reports do. At first, it's airships. Because mm -hmm. that's what everyone's expecting. Mm -hmm. And then comes, you know, people saying, well, they don't look like airplanes. Mm -hmm. And they're some sort of saucer. Because even before Roswell, 
there's talk of these flying saucers. Uh huh. So therefore, when one something crashes at Roswell, we'll say, "Oh, it's a flying saucer." Yeah. Here's the thing: is that the uh, the public information officer that gave the uh, press release about the flying disc? Well, he's a public he's a public information guy. How the fuck does he know anything? I mean, I, he's probably what he was told by the rancher. Well, the rancher basically just said, uh, rancher Mac Brazel, who owned the property that the uh, ship came down on, uh, rancher lived out in the middle of nowhere, no power, no running water, didn't even have an indoor toilet. Uh, this guy basically just comes into town and says, yep, gotta take my sheep around the uh, edge of the pastures, damn thing done crashed. And it's like, three days before anybody comes out there and then they tell him, hey, you might want to call the Air Force because this ain't an airplane. So, that's really as much information as we have about what actually crashed. And the military came out to go see the thing. And they bring it back. And... So, this stuff was laying there for at least a couple of weeks. Few days, yeah. No, it well, says, yeah, about uh, a, something like a okay. So says notice material in early July. The report suggested a June date for the discovery of debris. Okay, so, I take it you're looking at the info right now. Yeah. Okay. I, good. Good. Um, it doesn't say anything about you know. He says he's a ranch foreman, so I don't okay. know how. Uh, now, one of the problems with Roswell is. There is so much information out there in the literature and just in the world at large, it's hard to get to the actual, like, solid events sometimes. Yeah. Because nobody has the same freaking story. Yeah. Well, and also, like, uh, like here it says in the, I'm just on Wikipedia because mm-hmm. I don't know the, the fancy places you get your CD information <laughs> from. You don't want to know. But it says, like, uh, the Roswell incident occurred amid the flying saucer craze of 1947. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the June 26th uh, Kenneth Arnold story, mm-hmm. what he labeled as flying saucers. Historians would later chronicle over 800 copycat sightings that were reported after the Ar- after the Arnold story was published. Yes. So there's a bunch of shit flying around, <clears throat> and who knows? And this is a the uh, the. The public information officer. Uh, oh yeah, he could have he, been. He probably saw a thing. There's some mysterious debris. It's a flying saucer. Yeah. Now I'm not saying it was a weather balloon because I still think that is complete bullshit. Eh, I mean, if it was anything else that was flying, they would have known about it. I mean, if it was, if it was a manned vehicle. I'm not saying it was a manned vehicle. Well. Okay. So, so we're, in, we're 19, not in the nineteen into the whole in the late nineteen thing, in the late nineteen forties, pretty much every every aerial vehicle other than weather balloons were manned. I okay. Mean, okay. It might not have even been a, a uh, weather balloon. It could have been. You know, this is the middle 
desert and you know what I don't know how recent how when Area 51 really started didn't did that start during World War II I want to say yes because I think they so it, I mean they like they, 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 I think they been, worked on the Enola Gay there didn't they um I don't know but here's the thing here's a thought just a you know, I have no, no one has evidence obviously for this stuff because it'd be classified, but maybe it was, this was before satellites and all that. And before, you know, high flying spy planes, maybe it was a modified weather balloon for aerial photography. Here's another. That they were testing the idea for, you know, cause think about it, you go take this to, you know, Europe somewhere mm-hmm. on one side of Russia, you know, wherever, you know, I don't know if the jet stream goes west to east over there or not. Maybe you'd have to go let, launch it off the uh, mm-hmm. other coast, depending on where the jet stream over Russia goes. You know, launch this spy balloon into the jet stream, right. let it go over, take pictures, and recover it. That's just kind of a thought, why it would be so yeah. secret. Well, one of the theories... And they just lost track of it. Is that it was... Uh, now, pr- it, Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Project Skyhook the one where they had like the uh, crash test dummies? Crash test dummies. They had some kind of a thing called Operation Skyhook where they're testing the effects of like fucking dropping dummies or something. But there was also Project Mogul. I believe Project Mogul was the one where they were using high altitude balloons to try to detect nuclear detonations from Russia. So. And one of the theories is that Project Mogul, it could have been one of those balloons. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's. That's totally understandable. Mm-hmm. Um. There's the CIA's Skyhook program, which was to uh, basically airlift uh, like spies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Is basically a uh, dude on the ground releases a tethered balloon that goes up, you know, several hundred feet, and a modified plane comes by with a device that captures the line and yoinks them off the ground. Yeah, and I think that's what they were talking about with the test dummies was uh it was supposed to pull them up yeah and they're and the claim that any bodies that were found were crash test dummies from skyhook and i personally don't really buy that i wouldn't think there would be a bunch of them you know maybe one you might find one Mm -hmm. crash dummy but yeah but here's the thing roswell it's so freaking confusing, and Roswell wouldn't even be a thing today if it hadn't been for, like, some people that really, really wanted to make some money off of it. Yeah. All right, so I'm not really getting into the whole Roswell thing right now. It's enough to say that something crashed there, fed by the whole UFO Thing it is definitely a footnote that needs to be brought up in the history of UFOs, right? Yeah. Okay. So, Project Blue Book gets started to uh, basically investigate this stuff. To basically uh, make the public think it's being investigated. Well, no, they did investigate it. Okay. They, they, they to shut up a few people in the Air Force who wanted to investigate it. Okay, that's fair. Now, the the original idea was that... 
I think this is kind of like, you know, the this original X Files. This is quote unquote optics. Yeah. <laughs> so the the real idea though was they get these scientists. The original idea was uh, we get these scientists. They take a look at it, and they either debunk them or, uh, you know, investigate the strange ones. Well. The original idea shifted to just debunk this shit. So they get this uh, scientist named J. Allen Hynek. And he's kind of a hero of mine because he goes in a skeptic. J. Allen Hynek is the inventor of the idea that what you saw was a row of igniting swamp gas. And not a UFO. Or yeah. misidentified the planet Venus. Which, here's the thing. I get it. Like, seriously, a lot of stuff that people see in the sky that they think is a UFO. To this day, do you know how many calls police get saying there's a UFO and it's the moon? No, but... A lot. A fucking lot, Mike. Yeah. That there are people like, you know, UFO reports actually went through the roof when uh, these digital billboards first popped up on the scene. Yeah. Because it's a bright thing. It's like, I see you. So, <laughs> it's just. Okay, anyway, they get Heineck to head this thing up and they're like, debunk everything. He's like, I will do it, but I am a scientist. I will do this scientifically. I'm not just going to say, ah, you're crazy. I will figure this out. So Heineck goes about his business. And the conclusion of Project Blue Book is that the vast, vast majority of UFOs are, in fact, people misunderstanding what they're seeing. But there's like 13 or 14 percent that are beyond rational explanation. Somewhere in that range, you know. The point is, there's enough of a percentage that is not easily explained that needs to be researched. Yeah. And the Air Force goes, What's that? You figured it out. It's all bullshit? Great. Shut this thing down. We're done. And Heineck is pissed. So Heineck, nuclear physicist at J. Allen Heineck, becomes a believer. Because of that small percentage that he can't explain. So he launches into uh, becoming a ufologist. One of the most credible ufologists at the time. Because he was a skeptic and turned believer. And... I don't know that he ever really came to a solid conclusion because he is a scientist and is like, there's not enough fucking data for this. So he always just gathered data, published books with that data. Now, during all this, we need to talk about one of my favorite uh, parts of UFO lore in the early days, which is contactees. Mike, I've talked to you about the uh, the Space Brothers before, right? Yeah. Okay. So, 1950s people 
and 40s, you know, during this whole freaking period, people were like, I got contacted by the men from the stars. I know why the UFOs are here. They're here to save us from nuclear war and pollution and all kinds of things. Because I met Klaxar from Venus. And he took me up on his ship, and he took me to Venus, and I got to play with his little doggie. I'm not joking. Yeah. They, they seriously would claim that they met these uh, creatures from the ship, and they're all beautiful, white humans. You know? With blonde hair. Just the white, like, Renaissance painting Jesus types, you know? Yeah. Just coming down here and being like, we bring you love. Come, I'll show you my... P-. It's, it's You know what? This sounds like a pervert. Yes. Hey, little girl. I got a dog in the back of my van. Want to see him? It's creepy. Yeah. So, this goes on for a while. And, it, and then, like, other people are saying, oh, I'm being contacted. They can't travel this distance. So, I'm being psychically contacted by people from Uranus. From Uranus. From Uranus, yes. I'm hearing things from Uranus. And let me tell you, I don't like what I'm hearing. (laughs) But they keep saying the same thing every time. They... Everybody that gets talked to by somebody from space during the 1950s became, as Henry Zabrowski said, it turns them groovy and stupid. Yeah. They turn into space hippies. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think that is? Like, do you think this is like a human religious thing? I mean, could be. Or like, here's the thing, and this is along the lines of that. You notice around uh, the 60s with uh, the first UFO abduction incident not like you know come join us on our galactic ride we have the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case which I want to do a whole episode on them but you know they get picked up and uh, here's the funny thing the first time they see these creatures you, you know about the Betty and Barney Hill case right yes yeah okay interracial couple uh, living up in uh, New England they take a trip Canada and then they're on their way back and they see this UFO and they have an instance of missing time where they're like hours further down the road with no recollection of what happened so they go into what's it called uh, hypnotic regression yeah and uh, in the initial memories these guys are, um, well, they're just like uh, Gestapo. And they've got like big pointy noses and, and like blue, and they got like pointy ears. So it's like weird Nazi space elves. But when they go under for what happened once they're taken on the ship. It's like whatever screen was showing them that is gone. And they see what you classify as your typical grays, you know? 
Yeah. And they do invasive medical procedures. Like, they stick a needle in Betty's stomach and stir it around. Stir it around. It's like, what are you doing? It's a pregnancy test. Uh. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's soup now. That, yeah, no, you wouldn't survive that. Yeah, I'm sorry. No. And also, no. like, if there's a baby in there, I mean, you fucking killed that thing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Anyway, that's kind of the point where the contactee movement ends in popular culture and in the experiences. And people start, when they get abducted, seeing these greys, and they start getting... uh but we always say probed, and that is a thing, but it's always like medical experiment. There's always like they'll scrape skin off the back of the neck or the bottom of the foot with like this weird stylus thing, and they like stick needles in your head, and there's always like, yes, there, there's milking. They will milk a dude in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like one of my favorite descriptions is they have Whitley Strieber up on this fucking vacuum tube shoved up his ass and another vacuum tube stuck to his dick like bucking like a bronco up and down and he's just screaming and one of the greys is standing there going what what can we do to make you stop screaming and it's meow yes that's exactly what they have to do sorry we have a very talky cat in the room so anyway yeah I just love the mental image of of (laughs) God damn it, Gretel. I've got this mental image of just Barney Hill just screaming and bucking being sucked off. And the thing is, it didn't work, so they take the stuff off. And you know what the Grays did? Hmm. Gave him a hand job. <clears throat> Good God, this man's so annoying. I'm just going to give him a J.O. Just handy. Just give him just a handy. Give him a handy. BRB, got to charge his crystals. So, I don't know... So, you know, my my thoughts on the whole abduction phenomenon. I don't know if I got it from somewhere or what. This I is the got it from um, somewhere. Is this the whole um But it makes sense to me. Uh was it sleep paralysis and basically early slash first memories. Oh, yeah, no, I've been talking about this for a long time. You may have got this from me, or we may have co-planted it in each other's heads. Because it just, yeah, it, all it the things that... It didn't start until modern hospital births. Yeah, and it all sounds very adjacent to what a newborn goes through. Oh, yeah. Like the, the stomach thing, the navel mm-hmm. thing, that's all, you know, they're they umbilical, the umbilical and, you know... A lot of kids, especially back then, I think nowadays they do it like an underarm test, but they would do a anal thermometer. Mm-hmm. And you know, they, I'm assuming they would probably do weird scraping things, and who knows what else? I mean, I don't have a kid. I yeah, don't know exactly don't, what they either. do, or even what they did in the 19 you know 50s through 80s. Yeah, no idea. Um, and a lot of kids also, a lot of males back then were uh, circumcised, too. Oh, right yeah, absolutely. Birth, so 
you know, and, that would that would explain the the genital touching and weird things. And then you got the whole. The first thing you see is some dude with his hair covered and yeah. his mouth and nose covered. All and you just can really see eyes. is a pair of eyes because yeah, they're the mouth, the mm-hmm. lower face and the upper head is obscured by, you know, very yeah. pale. Probably in the old days, it would have been white. Yeah. Uh, sure. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, you've seen surgeons' pictures sir, yes. from World War II. Yeah. They wear, like, the white uh, apron and the yeah. uh, white... I mean, a white yeah. face mask and a white mm-hmm. head covering. Yeah. I don't know when they switched to, you know, more that kind of blue and green colors, but... I think they found that that was more psychologically calming. I think it also doesn't show blood as well, because when blood hits it, it just kind of turns really dark, whereas yeah, when it hits white, it's just super red. Yeah, that's really true. So, now here's the difference, man. Like, you're talking about that as that is the origin of the abduction experience. I totally agree, but I'm also thinking that this is whatever the phenomenon is pulling that memory out as a screen. Mm. Like, give me the benefit of the doubt that if there is something happening and it is a partial psychic experience, it's pulling it out of your brain or you're pulling it out of your brain and interpreting it the only way you know how. Yeah, I mean, um, so obviously whatever event happened that started, you know, for this individual, not talking in you know, for everybody, but whatever, for take an individual abduction experience, whatever triggered that mm-hmm. could be, and they believe it's happening, even if it is like, you know, just the an 18-wheeler yeah. on the highway shining its lights in their face. And they happen to be um, having like some kind of a mini seizure or something. Yeah, or sure. just, you know, they get so freaking scared that it, you know, just bloop. There's this, yeah. you know, thing, or you know, as you said, sleep paralysis could be. Maybe they were having a dream. Maybe yeah. they were, you There's know, no telling. The mind is a weird and poorly understood thing. Oh yeah, poorly used as well. But oh. yeah, look at this show. But <laughs> but I think it's just it's really interesting to me because. I don't know. I I feel like the entire UFO phenomenon, which has become so much more sinister in the in the, the human consciousness as we've gone on, I think it also reflects like a certain um, underlying zeitgeist. You know. Yeah. Like it's it's. As we, as a people, like, we don't trust the government anymore. Well, there's... I mean, like, we don't trust a lot of things. We've become the public, um... What's the term I'm looking for here? You get what I'm saying, though, right? Like, the as, as we, as a culture, uh, become more sinister, the abduction experience has become more sinister. Well, I think that's mostly up to the individual. Um, maybe on average they do, but like you said, some people see nothing but you know peace and love because that's probably sure. You know, if not what they outwardly show, what they you know 
want deep down. Yeah. Well, like, okay, there was this big mass abduction at uh, the Coronado Hotel at a UFO conference. I know. <clears throat> I know how that sounds. And the bad thing is, you know who else was in the hotel at the time? Hmm. Fucking Bill Clinton. Post-election. He is in the White House. He is there with the Secret Service. He was not abducted. But, like, something like 12 people all got abducted out of this hotel yeah. at a UFO conference. Which, I'm like, that is real fucking on the nose. Yeah. But, like, a lot of them saw each other during the abduction experience and corroborated their stories. And some of them were, like, having a Whitley Strieber moment. You know? They're, like, they're like up on the mechanical bowl with a thing up their butt. And some of them are like, ah, 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 pointing at the dude. And the aliens are like, no, 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 no. You don't get that. You're, you're, we like you. That's not happening to you. You know, you've been here before. We're just going to ask you some questions and tickle your foot. So. (laughs) Oh, I love when you do that. Okay, what you got? You're not, you're, you can't tell me that a UFO conference isn't going to have an abduction-themed mixer where everybody gets blackout drunk and has weird sex things happen. That is not possible to not happen. That if there is one place I don't expect a single motherfucker to get laid, it's a fucking UFO convention. They didn't get laid, no. That's that's not what I said. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. I think they all got really rip-roaring drunk and probulated each other. Oh, God. So you think they uh, got drunk and simulated an abduction experience while drunk? I'm more than likely. It's more likely than, you know, the aliens deciding, hey, we're all going to abduct you motherfuckers. Oh, and there's the, you know, new president of the United States. We're just going to ignore him. Well, here's the thing, man. If I'm an alien and I'm abducting people in this hotel and the president happens to be there, the last thing I'm going to do is abduct the president. I'm not going to... I mean, come on, dude. That's going to... like. Well, okay, not necessarily abduct it, but, but you'd think they would, you know, the enhanced security would have noticed something. Unless this was a big middle finger to Bill Clinton going, look what we can right under your nose and he's like oh man that's scary as hell because you know when the president's in town it's not just the secret service at security right Um, also local police and sheriff's details as well and what the fuck kind of bizarre ass incident gets bill clinton the president of the united states staying at a hotel during a UFO conference. That's poor planning on everybody's part. Hey, man, I think I want to see some of them UFO people. Hey, you think them bitches going to show me the boobs? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just... I, I Anything with Bill Clinton, I automatically he's looking for an angle to get laid. 
in my head. Well, have you seen Hillary? Oh, I'm not going there. Actually, I'm going there. Yes, I have, and I, uh, I'm going to shut up. So. What you got next? What have I got next? You remember when we talked about the military alien industrial complex? Yeah. That's a real good example of them getting cynical. Like, look, look at the whole situation. I mean, like, it can't just be a mystery. Somebody's, and they've always done this. I guess every, I say it's new. It's not new. There have always been people with theories about why the aliens are here, be it world peace or uh, butt stuff. I mean, and, and here's the other thing about the whole like I'm getting aggravated every time I bring up this kind of conspiracy stuff I get pissed off because okay if it's the eggs and the sperm thing you know if they're abducting us to collect our our genetics and they're making hybrids okay great that, I guess that makes sense but can you just like take the fuck over um and that doesn't even make sense to me because so we're pretty decent at our you know we're getting better and better like our genetic engineering mm-hmm. compared to like 30 years ago whole different ballpark right right absolutely so how long do you think it would take us to uh, get interstellar travel us yeah just throw out a number oh jesus God, I don't know. A couple hundred years? Yeah, I was actually going to say 250, 300 years. What's our, what's our uh, genetic uh, engineering going to look like in 300 years? Oh, my God. Maybe. Wait, maybe we're the greys. Why the flip would we need to go, like, milk some dude on Alpha Centauri for his spoo? Nah. Especially since <laughs> the spoo really doesn't matter. I mean... If they wanted genetic material, they could get the guy's hairbrush. We could do that right now. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. I mean, now, there's there's one theory that says these guys are extra dimensional and not extraterrestrial, and that they're making but, hybrids that can exist in our reality to do their bidding. But even then, you don't need to, you know, catch someone. And, you know, stick a probe up their ass to make them jizz. You could just, like, you know, even if you need, like, live cells, you would get so much better data and material from just, like, you know, cutting a mole off of them or something. Sure. Because sperm and eggs are just half of the genes. Yeah. They're half. Mm Mm-hmm. If you have any aptitude with genetic engineering at all, you get much better info from full cells. You know, I've actually read a few people whose opinions are, uh, well, these guys are propulsion systems or worm, whatever they're using to get here is highly advanced. They suck at genetic engineering. Bullshit. I know. This is just... Because that's such basic chemistry if you can make a 
machine that can span light years. That is such that requires a, such a mastery of the fundamentals of not just Newtonian physics, but quantum field theory and shit like that. Mm-hmm. That I mean, it's it's still stuff that is just numbers and calculations for us right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Albuquerque yeah. Drive, and you know, they peep, you know, physicists keep you know going back and forth trying to refine you know some form of faster than light travel. Yeah, but it's still you know even our best calculations are saying even though we don't need negative mass anymore for the most recent uh, most recent calculations you still need to convert like a moon-sized object from matter directly into energy yeah to create yeah with no loss of uh yeah it no i i understand so i mean we're talking you know do you, do you know the uh, the type civilizations? I know where like the, uh, the type three. I think is like where like you, nacho cheese type and no, no, the, uh, bacon type. But yeah, so it's like I think type one is like being able to use the, all the energy resources of a planet or something and all that. I mean, this is you know a whole order of magnitude more than we can do. Right. So unless like I what mean, are even, what are we? I on the type I think scale. we're under a type one. We're lower than a type one. Yeah. Like type doy or something? Uh the Kardashev scale, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, type 1, technological mm-hmm. level of a civilization that is close to the level presently attained on Earth, with energy consumption at 4 to the four to 10 to the 19th energy a second. So, 4 to the I've 4 times 10 eye. to the 12 watts. Defined as one that can harness all the energy that falls on a planet from the parent star. So, okay. basically, we're below a Type 1 because we'd have to be able to harness... All every, the energy that every comes of, from yeah. the sun yeah. to the earth basically absorb all that shit for our use. That's about four or about four orders of magnitude higher than the amount presently attained on Earth. Oh wow! Okay. A Type Two civilization is capable of harnessing the energy radiated from its own star. So basically, all the energy from the sun collected and used, like a Dyson sphere uh, or like a orbital satellite array. Well, I mean, it would have to be. It have to basically completely uh, encompass the sun to capture all the energy. Okay, yes, a Dyson sphere. Okay, not the fans. Now we're not talking about the fans. We're talking about a Dyson sphere. So yeah, and a Type Three is a civilization in in possession of energy at the scale of its own galaxy. Jesus Christ! Yeah, so we're talking about probably a. Above type one, but not quite. I mean, type two is kind of. Uh, I mean, I get it's not. You have to have domain over the energy of your star, mm-hmm. but it's to have the equivalent of that. So, okay. so you're like, talking through, you know. Could you conceivably, like, would that same civilization be able to go to, like, the next star over and build a Dyson sphere and use that energy? Or be able to produce. You know, such good fusion that you know, like all your ships 
are using like a, basically a mini star as their reactor core. Oh, like and, the time you know, lords. And enough ships to basically say that that's gotcha. about a sun's worth of All right. okay. uh, fusion going on, being gotcha. harnessed. So we're talking, I mean, so possible. So if UFOs are extraterrestrial from another Which solar I system. don't believe, but let's keep going with They would that. have to be above a type one. More than likely, mm-hmm. like just because of the energy involved, somewhere between type one and type two. Yeah, okay. diabetes. Yes. God damn it! <laughs> I am the key to salt to interstellar travel. Mike. Because I mean, you cannot. No matter how much you want to believe, I mean, I I believe there are. I mean, we there has to be. There has to be fundamental physics solutions we haven't come up with yet obviously otherwise there's stellar travel well to anything anything but but to so faster than light travel is kind of a problem because when you go faster than the speed of light in some frames it's almost time travel yeah no we we yeah that's the whole time dilation thing so well not just time dilation but also so there's like the Superman paradox. I don't remember. I once wrapped my head around it. I kid you not. I I like sat there and thought about it and reread it. And for about five seconds, I understood it. And my my completely un- I got it. And it made my brain hurt. Mike, I, you re- you I realize get, this is this is how religion works. It kind of hurt my brain a little bit. Uh huh. I went a little cross-eyed, and I'm not exaggerating either. I did kind of like see double and. But then I couldn't get it like as like your so brain if, couldn't hold on to it. Yeah. Okay. But well, so it's basically saying that uh, Superman flying at at the speed of light, I believe, mm-hmm. um, is able to beat causality. So the the basic the basic boil down of of it is you can either have causality or faster than light travel. You can't have both. In the same universe. Yes. Or in the same, you know, yeah. In yeah. the same reality. In the yeah. same set of physics. So it's kind of like uh, the one cool part of Zack Snyder's Justice League cut where the Justice League, like, I'm spoiler warning if you haven't seen it, where the Justice League completely fucking fails and is obliterated, but the Flash runs toward them so fast that time reverses, and he... And he stops it from happening because he defeated causality. Yeah. Okay. So, before we move on to my other theory about it, or my other feelings about aliens, yeah. Still on the idea that they're from another planet. All right. So, you said the thing about how genetics. It'd be the dumbest thing in the world if they came all this way and just milked us, right? Yeah. And scraped us. For for various reasons, yes. All right. Reasons. Imagine, if you will, a gray cocktail party. Mm-hmm. And all the caviar are human eggs. And there's a mixed drink made from sperm. What if they're just bigger assholes than us 
So what you're saying is it's the uh, alien equivalent of caviar? Exactly. It is just delicacy. And I'm assuming it's probably sta- its status is from that it's from another sentient race. Yes. So you know, just couches won't won't cut it. Yeah, no, gotta be people, man. Now maybe if they're eating meat, that's what the cattle mutilations are. It's like, yes, I would like a glass of man seed and some human caviar, and uh, can I have a slice of the cow's anus? <laughs> yes, yes, I love the taste of cored out butthole. <laughs> Mm. So, I mean, that's just, you know, if they're from space, which I'm not saying they are. I don't believe that for a second. Who says that interdimensional aliens couldn't, you know, like a good, good butthole steak with a side of, uh, washed down with a uh, fresh glass of jism? That's fair. Uh, but you're on to my next thing, which is the whole interdimensional thing. There is a fantastic book by... Uh, Jacques Vallée called Passport to Mangonia. Yeah. And what it is, is he looks at the modern abduction experience. So, he's able to draw direct parallels from the modern abduction experience all the way back through mythic human experience with uh, encounters with the Fae, which will typically involve being taken into a strange realm and having sex with beautiful other creatures and there's always a time dilation you know there's all these strange things that sort of line up yeah basically meaning that what we're experiencing from the abduction experience is just the modern brain interpreting the same phenomenon that's been happening for millennia and that experiences with the Fae and the paranormal and what have you, it's the same creatures. We don't know what they are. We don't know where they come from. We just know that our the way we see them has changed as our culture has evolved, starting as, you know, like, gods taking people up and having their spawn, you know, like the demigods and, like, all the way up through the fairies, leprechauns, all that stuff. It's all, what if it's all the same creature, creatures? It's all the same phenomenon. Just yeah. our interpretation of it evolving as our experience as a culture and a species evolves. Well, I mean, the human brain can only pull things that it, uh, that has it references to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, look at uh, the Romans and the color blue. Oh, God, that is a fantastic example. They didn't have blue. I mean, they knew. They saw blue. They just... They, they didn't have a word for it and didn't really register to them because they didn't have many blue, actual blue things. I mean, if yeah. you look at nature, there's not much that's really blue. A lot of it's really different shades of purple. Yeah, like, okay, we say the sky's blue, but, like, how many times is, is the sky really blue i mean it's really blue a lot it's blue today yeah but it also goes gray or white or 
uh, red and orange at sunset or sunrise. The sky is just the sky. It's an ever-transmuting thing. And when you look in the ancient texts, they refer to the ocean as being wine-colored. Well, I think a lot of that is just a limitation on the... Uh, language? Yeah, language. and Yeah. Because, I mean, what are you going to describe the ocean other than, you know, ocean-colored? And also, it's water. And yeah. if you take the ocean and you put it up, you know, and you, in, a, in, a, in a pitcher and you pour it out, it's clear. Yeah. So, it's not really a color. I think also, that might also just be... Cause it's very if you look at the ocean it's very mm-hmm. rare that it's actually really blue especially in more you know the mediterranean areas and mediterranean you don't oh, get God, that until yeah. you're you know parts of the caribbean and you know the really blue water yeah that's true because um, it's like a lot there's of a t- lot of rivers you, they're you know silt. silty and yeah yeah and like the mississippi gulf coast the water All is and, not blue no. It is slate gray, and when you get close enough to see it, it's turd colored. Usually, like I said, it's, you know, major continents, it's not very blue. No. You have to get into, you know, tropical islands that don't have a lot of water runoff to disturb the, you know, well, I guess you can't really say the natural color of the ocean, but, you know, the clear, unfettered yeah. blue ocean water. Yeah. But this is basically... I've never seen it. Yeah. Same here. Not in person. I've yeah. seen photos. Oh, yeah. Of course. Seen, everyone's yeah. seen photos, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that's really good example. We can only interpret what we have uh, experience of. What we have a language mm-hmm. for. And by so, language, I can also mean, you know, c- concepts and constructs. and. Mm-hmm. So, people something's happening it's been happening for a long time it is still happening and we just don't have a context for what it is so our brain is filling it in yeah and possibly uh filling you know they're helping it to fill in you know yeah. They're wearing our memories as a disguise. Like, here's a really good example. All right. And this this is one of my favorite arguments. Like, everybody always points to this as proof that Betty and Barney Hill didn't have anything happen. All right. So, they have their abduction experience. And a lot of people point out that once they're on the ship, the aliens they saw look a lot like these creatures they saw two weeks prior on the Outer Limits. Alright? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. But what if whatever they experienced pulled that out? Like, that's how they could interpret it. And that description fit into the popular culture. Okay. So now, we all see greys, because that's what we expect to see. That's what we can understand them as. Mm-hmm. You don't sound convinced. Oh, no. Not at all. <laughs> I, I let you run your yeah. course so okay. I can say this. Yeah. You know what else pulls out memories and things, causes you to see things that uh, aren't there? 
freaking mental problems. Oh, yeah. Well, sure. If you want to get technical. uh, And I don't have to say you have to be suffering from full-blown schizophrenia or anything, but, you know, the human mind is prone to hallucinations. I mean, heck, consciousness is probably just a hallucination. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like... No, I totally get that, because, like, you remember when I first got on my antidepressants? Yeah. And do you remember when I told you, uh, they said, you know, hallucinations might happen. I was like, okay, whatever, I've never had a hallucination, it's bullshit. Now I started seeing these black slugs and worms. Yeah. Everywhere. Like, just out of the corner of my vision moving around. Yeah. I was like, if they hadn't told me. I was going to have hallucinations. I would be losing my shit right now. Cat was trying to eat something it shouldn't. Yeah, that sounded like a ginger. Okay. But no, I get that. I understand. I concede that, yes, that is completely, completely a rational explanation. And as always, I am going to stand by my convictions that... We're experiencing some experiencing something from beyond. Uh, why? I don't know. I mean, why would they? I mean, if you have this interdimensional technology, why? Well, what if it's not technology? What if it's a natural thing and we interpret it as technology? I'm not saying the whole uh, sufficiently advanced. Then it should have been something that we could, you know, measure. I mean. an an event like that I mean even if it's just like slight bleed over surely someone would have you know caught something I guess some form of a record yeah I guess I mean but as far as my reason for believing it just makes me happy and you know it's not hurting anybody I'm not, I'm not questioning your oh, why sure. you would. Yeah. Okay. Just, so, I guess I could say I fully believe in Occam's razor, that the simplest explanation is usually true. Oh, yeah. it's And that simplest explanation is... Uh, people crazy. People be cray-cray. So... That brings us to the end of the topic. Mike, I believe we received something in oh, the shoot, hopper. I forgot about that. Yeah, okay. I kind of wanted to talk about it at the beginning of the episode, but let's talk about it now. What have we got in the hopper? Oh, I got to bring up my email because I forgot. Oh, no. I'm really excited about this. Remember, if you'd like for us to read anything on the air, uh, we're reading at least the first five uh, on the show. Uh, you can find the form to submit information at Supernatural Selection Pod. That's the address, isn't it? Um, Hang on. Yeah, form dash submission at super. Oh, wait, no, it's the actual. Yeah, supernaturalselectionpod.com. Can you believe I couldn't remember my own URL? I need to get a shorter one. Yeah. I'm seriously thinking about getting super, supernatpod.horse. So we could look at your horse. Look at my horse. My horse is amazing. But yeah, if you go to supernaturalselectionpod.com and click contact, there is a form. You can fill that out. 
click send it will go to our email and we will read you on the show and a good example of what someone has sent in is going to be read by mike here in a second so this is from ghost forge hassasock <laughs> it's is that it's a dobby reference from harry potter oh yeah ghost forge has a sock he is free Yes, I see. I didn't okay. get that. I was going to yeah. ask you. What was that? So it says, Hi guys, big fan. My question is, suppose someone came to you and said, quote, We have reason to believe aliens are using time travel to sabotage the development of humanity. We have our own time machine now. Where should we go to try and stop them? So what would our answers be? Mm. So... Uh, the way I you understand this question is that what has where, happened what point in, history? in history would we go to that looks like aliens are fucking with it? Yes. That's obviously taking yeah. in consideration mm-hmm. our current timeline is the fucked with timeline. Yeah, obviously. So, so they fucked around. Now they're going to find out. <laughs> Absolutely. So I've, so I've been thinking about this a little bit. Um, so it's obviously going to be pivotal points in history that an event happened and it took a turn, but it would have to be a turn that hampered us Mm -hmm. because you could look at like, while the starting, while the start of world war one was a very simple event just one assassination. Mm-hmm. I mean, admittedly, there was pre-existing, you know, uh, conditions that allowed that to be a, you know, what's the term I'm looking for? Like a, a, a spark, catalyst. a catalyst. Yeah, you know, the mm-hmm. dry tinder and just one little spark. Um, there were other pre-existing conditions, but still, that you could argue that. We are better off today because of the world wars, just yeah. in a technology standpoint. I mean, it, it, a lot of people died. A lot of people died. A lot of bad but things happened. I can't happened. think we would be f- as far along if the world wars never happened. As so, bad as they were, we needed them to happen so well, we would be where we are. Yeah, we would not be. I think we would probably be like at least. You know, fifty years behind. Like, Shit, dude, I'm gonna go with a hundred. Uh, I wouldn't say quite a hundred, but yeah, I mean, I mean, and can't have World War Two without World War One because it was just basically World yeah, War One point five. World War Two started because World War One didn't solve any of the underlying problems. Yeah, and the like the the terms of surrender when they signed the terms of surrender for World War One. The, the folks doing it were like, the, all you're doing is setting up a worse conflict down the road. Yeah. Okay. So, so you can't, to, in short, you can't say World War. The World the Wars World had War. to yeah. happen. Yeah. So, um, they're not tampering. Yeah. And you could kind of say maybe, well, no, because, you know, the death of Hitler, they were already on the decline. He was going to be captured if he didn't kill himself. So, that there's nothing there. Um, probably have to go back further. Oh, yeah. Like, 
you know, there's a lot of events in human history where we lost a lot of progress and knowledge. Oh, yeah. Um, especially in the Middle East, you know, there was... I know, I know where you're going with this. I'm trying to remember my exact, uh, my exact, uh, point there. I can't remember it now. Like, uh, I know Constantinople was mm-hmm. a, a big hub of, you know, learning. Burn and, that bastard to the ground. Yeah. Um, the Library of Alexandria. Yeah, that would probably be... Was, you know, a big mm-hmm. store lost a lot. The, the freaking, uh, Dark Ages... You know, it, those didn't happen. Oh, yeah. No, those didn't. We've been over this. God damn it. No, no. But if they did happen, it would have been a good thing <laughs> to hold back humanity because, yeah. you know, it was it brought the dark ages. Yeah. Which were the dark ages, not because, you know, they used torches, but because it was a point of negative enlightenment. Yeah. Well, and OK, like. So you're thinking um, the loss of knowledge from the Library of Alexandria and uh, Constantinople. Oh, those are, you know, like I said, the, the stuff a like genetically that. engineered virus to uh, give the bubonic plague to fleas. Here's the thing, all right? Because you have to have a light touch. You can't just... I, I know that, but the thing is, if you watch Connections, mm-hmm. James Burke brings up a fantastic point about the Black Death. Yeah. All these motherfuckers died. And every time somebody died, somebody else inherited their stuff. Mm-hmm. To the point that the survivors were incredibly rich. Well, yeah. And the survivors could be like, oh, you want me to work the land? Well, you're going to have to pay now if you still want the stuff done. So, it allowed for the beginnings of the middle class. The merchant class really started here. So, it led to the event, you know, the creation of uh, the printing press because, good God, everybody wanted books all of a sudden. So, I feel like the Black Death had to happen. Well, I mean, but you, we don't know what the other timeline would have had. Oh, you're saying it could have been much more advanced by now? Yes. Okay. All right. That's fair. All right. I'm willing to give that to you. Um, I'm going to say the invention of the Baconator. <laughs> uh, come on. You don't have anything real? Uh, you know, the problem is I look at a lot of history and I'm like, here's the thing. If I had to go with something, you, you took my idea with the Library of Alexandria. That's that's definitely one. Or if you want to go back to my crazy shit, I'm going to say uh, uh, 10,000 BC, the destruction of whatever society we had at that point. They got wiped out and we have no memory of it. Yeah, or they're the aliens are the ones that crashed the asteroid because the dinosaurs became, you know, super, became a rival, basically. I saw that episode of Voyager. 
I, I definitely remember that episode going, well, at least nobody turned into fucking salamanders. Yeah, well, you know, you're, are you done? I'm done. So that's all pretty well and good, but we know the real event that the aliens went back and used to try to destroy us. What's that? The uh, 2016 election. Oh, shit. You're right. That's, oh, they came close. Now, who knows? They might have all, may have, they may have still yet. Uh, they may have won already, and we just don't know. Yeah. Well, look, Ghost Forge. It's Ghost Forge, right? Yeah. Okay. There's two people I know. There's Ghost Forge and Ghost. It gets a little confusing sometimes. So you only know two people, and they're both named Ghost. Yep. I am living in hell. <laughs> what's, your, what's, your, uh, what's their favorite Patrick Swayze movie? Roadhouse. Oh, yeah. All good. It's always Roadhouse, man. All right. Well, Ghost Forge, thank you for that. If anyone else would like to send in questions, again, head to supernaturalselectionpod.com, click on the contact button, fill out the form, and send it in. We will read it on the air like we have just done. You can also contact Mike. As long as it's like not a novel. Brief yeah. and to the point. is Brief you know. and to the point uh, that can spur some discussion. Yeah. Uh, you can also contact Mike at SkepticalMike at SupernaturalSelectionPod.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at SupernatPod. Uh, we have a Facebook page. If you're into that kind of thing, which, of course, just look for Supernatural Selection on uh, Facebook. Uh, what am I missing, Mike? Um... A Baconator. I am missing a Baconator, even if that is the plan of the aliens. So, that being said, we're going to go ahead and shut her down. So, uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the Men in Black with David. And, uh, Mike, I'd love for you to be on if you can. I'll try. All right. Depends on when. Yep. Well, thank you again for being on the show. And, guys, we will see you next time. So, until then... Stay frosty. Goodbye. Supernatural Selection has been a production of DeviantBehaviorRadio.com. You can find it and more shows broadcast weekly at DeviantBehaviorRadio.com. Our theme music is Screensaver by Kevin McLeod. It is used through Creative Commons license, and more of his music can be found at incompetech.filmmusic.io.